Welcome to the weekly episode of the Freelancer Codex Podcast. Your host, Stephen, and co-hosts Mike, Devin, and JD are all set. Join us and tweet your questions at Freelancer Codex. Find us on Facebook at Freelancer Codex, or send emails to freelancercodex at gmail.com. Strap into your javelins, and let's drop in. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 118 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. I'm your host, Steve, along here with one of my co-hosts, Devin, and special guest, legendary animator and cinematographer, Tal Peleg. Tal, thank you for being with us. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it, it is a pleasure. We've been talking a bunch yeah. on Twitter, talking a bunch online, and I'm I'm surprised you actually agreed to come on the show after knowing about us. So that always surprises me when people are like, yeah, sure, I'll come and come on there. That makes me know that they don't listen because sure. they're like, there's no way. No surprise you invited me, actually. <laughs> well, it, it's one of those things where I'm always like, there's no way anyone would say yes. So I never asked. So I asked and you're like, yeah. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? Like this show, you want to come on this show of all the shows? <laughs> So we so we appreciate you being here, Tal. Don't and overspell it much, Stephen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes you just feel like you've got like anyway. So welcome everyone. I hope everyone out there is staying safe. I hope everyone out there is practicing their social distancing distancing um, so that we can get rid of the coronavirus so that our lives can go back to normal. I don't know if things will go back to normal the way they were before this. I mean, this very much feels like a. 9-11 type moment in our country to where things probably will never be the same after this. Um, so I hope everyone out there is staying safe. Um, I thought it was important that we continued with the Codex podcast to bring a little bit of joy into everyone. Hopefully it brings joy or frustration. Even <laughs> if it brings frustration, I'm glad I'm bringing some sort of emotion to you. So thank some you. Some kind for, of distraction. Yeah, some sort of right. distraction. And we, what better way to do that than with a, you know, with Tal, who has been in the video game industry for how many years have you been with in the industry, Tal? Uh, so film and games combined, I would say probably 18 years. So 18 years. So, so that's, awesome. so you've been in the industry for a while. You've worked with oh, some that... of, yeah. So you've been you've been worked with some of the biggest um, developers that that there are in in the industry. You've been with EA. Um, you've worked with Naughty Dog on The Last of Us and the Uncharted series. Um, Last of Us being one of the most popular and in the zeitgeist video games currently, with Last of Us Two on the horizon. Um, and I would definitely want to get your thoughts on the HBO show that's been announced. You've been with Bioware. You worked on Mass Effect Andromeda. And then more recently with the Anthem franchise, and we got the amazing cinematics um, from you and your team with Anthem. And then you are now the cinematic director of Archetype Games, and that's kind of exciting. You go from working at these big studio studios to kind of start something new with a small team. I mean, is that is that scary at all, or are you guys just like ready to, hey, let's do something new, let's do something different, and jump in here? Yeah, no, it's actually uh, it's actually more like the latter. It's it's I'm I'm pretty excited. It's a lot of factors uh, coming together. You know, um, uh, it's a lot of a lot of our goals, shared goals, uh, uh, trustworthy individuals that have banded together. Um, this is basically various folks from uh, Bioware, Naughty Dog, uh, let's see, three four three, and. Uh, 
and more that I can't say. Not yet. <laughs> ah, you've, you've <laughs> um, got other people coming. Excellent. Um, and yeah, like uh, individuals and strong work ethics. Um, you know, we have we share the same passion for crafts and all that. So, um, and it's it's very much people. Uh, it's branches from the same tree, and it's it's really. Um, it's not. It's more than just a transition to a new studio. It's what many of us have been essentially wanting to do and are able to do now. Uh, and it's a rare moment in all of our careers, I guess. Well, that's um, yeah, that's super exciting. And then to have to have you guys start a new studio and then all of a sudden be like, all right, you can't come into the studio. I mean, how do you guys get any work done now, being at home all the time, having to call each other to figure out, hey, is this does this look good? Can I send you an email? Can we get on? Can we jump on Zoom? I mean, that's got to be difficult after just starting up. Um, kind of. It it, it definitely. It definitely slows things down, but it's not that critical. Um, there's a lot of uh, networking that we already have at work that we sort of apply uh, working from home. Um, so it, it's just kind of slowing down, but it's not necessarily uh, detrimental or like it's not ideal, but it's not too bad. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we do is mostly on our machines. So it's not like, um, you know, a lot of communication softwares uh, slack and uh, we used to have skype uh, back at bioware and so as long as you keep as long as you over communicate um you should be good yeah. do you, do you yeah, think we, we do that do you think it would be a little bit harder if you were a couple of years down the line in development that something like this could because i imagine that there's our studios that aren't super equipped to deal with this that you know are causing game delays to be pushed back i mean is it because you guys are so early in the process that it makes it easy? Do you think three years down the road it would be like, nope, we've got to push this back because there's no way we can, you know, work on it in this capacity right now? That's a good question. Um, I'm asking you to read I, the future. I, <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah, let me prescribe that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I think it's true for most studios. Uh, nowadays, there's a lot of. Um, I remember reading an article that um, some developments are conducting a very remote production type of work, and uh, it's actually pretty successful. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you are working on a on a big AAA, ambitious AAA game, um, you probably want to have a certain um, a, a sizable core in-house to um, to make that really realized. Um, so I think it's a combination of where we where we are in terms of the uh, production um, phase-wise, and uh, let's see, and I think also just technology-wise, uh, things are very streamlined and optimized that we can afford to fall back a little bit. Um, I know other studios that are currently just, you know, basically working on shipping a game. They they find ways to uh, circumvent that and and have shifts where some groups come in, others are working from. So they try to mitigate as much as they can. Yeah. So um, so it's not not <clears throat> too horrible. Um, so let let alone in our current phase of production. 
I mean, imagine if you're like Ubisoft and you got like thousand people working on Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, on multiple studios. I mean, at least they have it in different studios, but they have some kind of experience where they bring all the parts together. But it's got to be difficult for large studios to really, uh, one, be able to afford to send machines and do all that stuff for people at their homes. You know, and does everybody have that ability at their home anyways? But Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely uh, a step back. It's not desirable yeah. by all means, uh, especially in the scenario you described. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think also there's probably a lot of potential for some studios to use this as like, hey, we we actually can do this. We can work from home. We can communicate with using all these you know online tools that we have, and maybe we can cut back a little bit of that overhead of having to rent a studio space in San Francisco because it seems like everyone has studio space in San Francisco. But I mean, Moon Studios just recently released Ori and Will of the Wisps, um, amazing yeah, game, right. and they. That's- and they were they don't have a studio they're all um remote um developers working together and you know there there is there is precedent for people that have done it and i think probably a lot of developers might say hey maybe we should try that now that we've kind of got our feet wet in that so i mean maybe i don't know so <laughs> yeah no i mean a lot of um a lot of studios do that a lot of studios rely on outsourcing uh, uh multiple outsourcers and vendors mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a very common theme to be working um, remote um, I don't know how common it is to um, work entirely every single the, the entire team the entirety of the team is comprised of completely remote uh, strands of, of individuals uh, but it does seem like uh, it's possible I just don't know if a triple A yeah uh, I mean yeah high like, budget uh, like their games are a little bit smaller right Right. I think that's more, that's definitely more, it, I, I think, again, I'm not, you know, I don't know for a fact, uh, but it, I would imagine it, it's slightly more um, pliable in that sense. Yeah. yeah. It, it'll definitely be interesting to see what the coronavirus has effect on, on the industry. I mean, it's already shut down all of our big trade shows and stuff. And I imagine um, we'll continue to see shutdowns, but first, Tal, I want to ask you the most important question that we have here today. Um, how are you enjoying Doom Eternal? Because I saw you tweeting about it. Um, so I want your thoughts. I want your quick hot take on Doom Eternal. Quick hot take. Let's it can see. be a I long really hot enjoy- take also. <laughs> Locks, long steaming pile yeah. of, a, of a take. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised because I'm not a first-person fan, um, generally speaking. Uh, there are some exceptions here and there. Uh, well, since I got there, <laughs> I used to be a long time, a long time ago, when it was revolutionizing PC gaming. Um, I'm talking about like you know, mid early '90s or something. Um, and so I've been a fan of that, but I think the novelty wore off fairly quickly. And I sort of reverted back to uh, preferring third-person games. I think it was just because ultimately it was like I, I kind of felt like it's a weapon tucked to my chin, and it, it's just gonna kind of like a shooting gallery with visual and story, visuals and stories, largely updating. And, and so I'm like, okay, I I want to try to spice it up a little bit. 
So you, that's just me. But what, was it you just had to feel more of a connection with the with your character? Yeah, I think so because I, I I think you know I there, there's so many like little things that I can't put my finger on it really. Um, it, it's like what are you mentioning? I think it's like yeah, you see your character, you see the customization that you you acquired or you built or found or you know you you work your way towards you can marvel and marvel at it um and uh it, i think it's just the fact that it, you know because it first person it, it changed later on and then half-life came out so there's there's a lot of you know games that i um like it, it completely transcended over any kind of preference right uh, but because many times it just had a gun, it would just end up for me ultimately just the overall feel would it would ultimately feel like a like a shooting gallery. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just kind of like a the same. It, it became a genre, in fact. Um, but all that being said, Doom is 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 one of those exceptions for me. <laughs> so like the action is is pretty awesome. Uh, presentation is is really crisp the gore is crazy uh it's it's super <laughs> badass uh yeah. doom guy is is just awesome uh there's a lot of uh i, I it it was already kind of going there in 2016 actually throughout the entire franchise it was it was already it was already kind of doing that but it, it feels a lot more um uh like there's a lot of uh, there's some religious tone to it you know, like he's a god and he's our savior. There's all those uh, other things that they say there, and you know, uh, I don't want to spoil stuff, but there's some cool beats there that it's just super badass. Lots yeah. of lots of demons. Yeah, and and I'm uh, guessing I love the slow motion. Okay, are the uh, the kills the the glory kills? The the glory kills, yeah. Like I think there's a mod there where. It, it triggers if you kind of jump or if you if you're airborne, and it's also it's cooldown, so it's not like you can abuse it or anything. But it's it's pretty awesome to see the game kind of max paid into this um, you know slow motion detail of of that moment. So yeah, I I I'm I'm pretty impressed with how the Doom um, franchise has evolved because back in the day, you know, when we were playing Doom, having to load it up on I don't know how many floppy disk we had to you know install doom from it was probably eight floppy disks or something but um you know going from where it was 2016 and how hype like i don't think there's another shooter right now that is as fast as doom i mean it just seems like there's no chance you have no time to breathe you have no there's no waiting to reload there's no waiting for shields to recharge and i think that's kind of a, a breath of fresh air for everyone because i mean we got used to like, hey, maybe I'm going to hide behind this rock for a little bit until my shields recharge before I go go out there. And Doom doesn't let you do that. So I think it's like I, I'm excited that there's a different type of shooter out there because it seems like a lot of the shooters are kind of tending towards that same very safe hide behind cover um, gameplay. And I'm glad that Doom is still like, no, we're just going to do this. We're going to throw demons at you. You can either destroy the demons or you can die. And I, I really like that about the the Doom franchise. But I don't. I've I yet to pick agree, up this yeah. one. So, so um, yeah. I mean, how exciting is it to take cover in first person? Oh, it's so exciting <laughs> to hide. I don't know if 
I, I remember back the days of American Gladiators with people hiding behind uh, the foam barricades from the from the tennis balls. I'm like, that's the fantasy, hiding behind the foam barrier right there. That's what we all need in our video <laughs> games. But so so Tally, um, you're playing on on PlayStation. Um, I I always I always enjoyed all your screenshots from Anthem while you were playing on on PlayStation. And I wanted to ask you, with the new generation coming up. Are you going to stick with PlayStation with everything that we know? Are you going to jump ship, go X, uh, Series X with Xbox? Um, what, where, where, do you, where do you see the uh, the consoles going here at the end of this year, if they even release at the end of this year? Um, I'll I'll end up getting both. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll end up getting both. Uh, I think I'll probably lean towards. Uh, Oof, that's a good question. It, it just depends what what ends up being more appealing. I, I, the 360 was far more um, appealing to me at the time. Um, I did end up having both consoles, PS3 and 360, but I played most of my time uh, on the 360. So in, in this current gen, it, it flipped around. Um, yeah, I guess it, it remains to be seen. So I think I'll naturally look to see what happens with PS5 just out of a momentum, um, kind of like I had with the um, Xbox One. So I got that first and then got the PS4, but um, then I ended up shifting just because I I ended up playing more games on it. So I kind of stuck with it. Yeah. As far um, as far as game development go for goes for the PlayStation, um, I know they they came out and they talked about their new SSD, and to me, I'm like SSD. I mean, we've had SSDs on on computers. Is that is the new specs of SSD that they're putting out on the PlayStation? Is that going to is it going to have that big effect on the industry that that they're that they want to have on there? I mean, because the Xbox is a little bit more powerful, teraflops, whatever. But I mean, PlayStation is really saying, "Hey, this SSD is going to change the way um, people make games because you're going to be loading in things so much faster." I mean, is that something that you see is really going to you know put the PlayStation you know one leg above um, Xbox for this generation? Um. Not a very, not a tech director, so it's hard for me to say. I think it really boils down to like the developers, what what they end up making. So if the first parties are pulling really strongly, uh, like they've done with the PlayStation, then I guess the multi-platform might lean towards Xbox again. Um, so I'm not sure exactly if if the SSD is going to make all the difference, uh, it's hard to tell. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and I think Devin and I will be in the same boat that we'll end up buying both of them like you, um, because we want to play all the games. It's like, not like I want to play them all. So you have to buy not everything. There, we just need, yeah, there's not enough time. So as, as a cinematic director, Tal, you've been, you've been animating and doing cinematics for movies and for video games. Um, I was, while we were getting prepared to talk to you, I was thinking back about animations that I've seen that had like an impact on me through video games. And I always think back to like Warcraft two um, cinematics um, and seeing those, like I was blown away when I was a kid, like watching those cinematics, um, watching, you know, all these boats go across the ocean and all the humans coming up to fight them. 
And then I, then I think about where we are now in that sort of a time, and I'm kind of blown away. Like the cinematics that we see for The Last of Us, the cinematics we see for God of War. I mean, like, where do we, where do we go from there? Do we, are we trying to achieve the photorealism that, it, that we can't even tell the difference between like an in-game cinematic or like, you know, full motion video? Do you, render. Yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. where, where are we going? Uh, I, th- I think this is where we're heading, um, undoubtedly. Um, I don't know if this is what we really want, but uh, I, I guess it's fair to claim that probably more likely than not, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess you can look at uh, old inceptions of games and how they uh, graphically kept pushing the envelope. Yeah. So, like, I remember uh, Golden Axe. Final Fight, Street Fighter 2, uh, back at a way back in the day, we're so ahead of the curve because it's like, oh wow, this looks the the visual, the the skin color, the jeans, and the background is, is sort of, uh, you know, New York City's faded out, and it, it you know, there's all those things I remember I was blown away by. Um, so you can tell that it it kind of went. You know, for in a certain trajectory from Pac-Man, yeah, and you can kind of kind of gauge where it was going. So you know, once uh, true 3D came came in, in like mid 90s, it it basically changed things forever, right? Like, um, let's see, I remember like looking at TND books back in the day. You know, like you look at the the splash uh, front page, and I I remember personally always imagining those characters like the character the warrior and the dragon basically moving and sort of interpreting that in a vga monitor i'm like yeah that would be the day <laughs> right and, and it's 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 kind of like trivial nowadays um so i think so yeah i feel like we we want to see more detail that alludes to realism uh whether it's stylized or completely realistic um uh, you know when I think about it, our, uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 was the closest to ever convey anything like that, um, in my opinion, anyway. Um, the amount of stuff that you could do and the amount of stuff that they accounted for, uh, animation, just not just animation, but like across the board, um, it, was, it was pretty amazing. It, it, it's not taken, it, it, I think it's taken for granted, but as time goes along, goes on i think we'll we'll just start seeing more games doing what they've done and really appreciate how far they've taken uh things maybe we'll end up uh you know maybe ready ready player one is, is gonna be where we go <laughs> we can all wish right and hope <laughs> i was meaning in, in terms of uh the reality in that movie yeah no, I'm just kidding. No, let, no. Let, let's not live in the stacks. I don't know if we want to do that. I mean, but I mean, wow, we shouldn't even talk about that right now with what's going on, right? We don't, we don't want to be living in the stacks. But yeah, and, and I and I think as we, no, but I, right, right. no you you go. Oh no, I was I was just gonna say, yeah, uh, I, I, I was really fascinated by Ready Player One. I, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, so I I don't think it's far fetched. No, I, I think the concept, and eventually, I mean, the, with the way VR is going, the advances that they're making, 
I think games like um, Half-Life, Half-Life Alex are going to definitely help people, um, you oh. know, dip their toe into VR. It's going to keep growing if, you know, big studios make quality titles like that. And, and there are a lot of great titles on VR, but it's just going to keep pushing it forward. It's going to keep, you know, I don't, hopefully I don't have to buy like an omnidirectional pad and put it in my house where I don't have enough space. <laughs> But, you know, just figuring out a way where motion works to where, you know, it takes up a small footprint and everyone gets in there. I think that, I mean, eventually that's where we all, like you said, that's where we want to go. We just want to be transported into like Azeroth with our VR headset and be able to look at a, you know, an orc coming at us and, you know, be in that cinematic from, you know, the original WoW cinematic. Um And yeah, I, I would love to do that. I, I always tend to like the more stylized games anyway, because I... I don't know. There's something about shooting something that looks really real in video games that I'm like, I like. I like the division and all, but like when you're when you're just shooting real people, I'm like, I I really don't want to just be shooting you. I'd rather go shoot an alien or something, right? So, but that's just me personally. That's just my own personal hangup. So I I'm excited to see where things go because if you look at the the cinematics that they're work that we've seen from The Last of Us Two, I mean it's it blows your mind like looking at it and being like, there's no way this is in game. Because I remember the days of having like the cinematic trailer, and then when they cut to in game, you're like, "Whoa, wait a second! I'm playing a completely <laughs> different game now." But everything's like just a complete transition, going from "Oh, this was actually real time," and that kind of blows me yep. away. Yeah, the 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 goal is basically to go into runtime uh, and and completely converge into that. Uh, yep. That's the that's the idea. I think there's always going to be some kind of depending on the game. Uh, there's always room to leave pre-rendered cutscenes or something, just because um, uh, uh, maybe in the future, the near future, like it, it wouldn't even matter. Um, but engines may not necessarily be able to, uh, not yet, uh, swap between like a ton of people like a whole crowd scene and just cut to something else and then kind of do a a memento beat where everything is basically offloaded memory and you you're in a completely different environment so some things may not be completely feasible yet in in that sense but um in terms of fidelity um it's it's happening already like it's completely converged with runtime yeah and and it amazes me how far we've come so far in such little time and where we will go is is going to be pretty awesome so tal i'll see you in the oasis and we can hang out there i don't i don't know what world you want to hang out on but yeah so having worked on these big titles like like do you think like as your kids grow up tal you're gonna have like cool dad street cred with your kids or they're just gonna be like whatever dad i'm playing this mobile game that's way cool like I mean, it, hopefully you're going to get some cool dad cred from that, right? I hope so. We'll we'll see. I mean, you know, that would be interesting to see when when my son grows. Uh, like, he's not really he's not really into uh, the Last of Us yet, just because. I hope not. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't think he even knows about it, so he's not allowed to know about it. So, and I'm not the one not allowing it. Um, right. So we'll see. You know, I mean. So and I, I, I and and, I, and I've always wondered as you know as your kids grow up and they get older and older like um what games are you 
are you letting them explore their own games that they're interested? Are you like kind of feeding them like, hey, this was a classic when I grew up. <laughs> this is Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, how are you introducing them to video games? Um, little by little, I guess. Um, it, it it's it's more it's kind of a bit of both. Like it's it's what they resonate with, and then try to sort of introduce them to. Oh, hey, this is uh, Mario, um, and try to see if it clicks. Um, my son likes Fez a lot. Okay, yeah. Um, it, it, he's just it just it just clicked. So, yeah, it's a work in progress essentially. <laughs> So I hope I hope when they grow up they can be like, yeah, my dad worked on this really cool game, and they'll be like, what game is that? We're all we're all playing. <laughs> we're over here. So one of the things that I was very surprised about with my kids is they they latched on to Minecraft so fast, and it's a game that I I never even gave any thoughts about. I saw it, I knew what it was, was never interested, and they have the three of them, my boys have gone crazy over it, and they just build these crazy things, and they do it so fast, and I'm like. We have like 150 games through Game Pass. It's like you can try all these games, and they're like, "No, we're just gonna play Minecraft." I'm like, okay, if that's what you want to play, then they're. I, I'm glad they're being creative. They they have a game that they can be creative in. So, I I will say I uh, I was giving my son um, the controller when I played Red Dead Redemption Two, and so he was basically getting a kick from uh, moving like moving traversing with the horse. In, in inside a lake oh and just just roaming around and seeing the ripples and it's it's very very funny because i get off of those like vfx and physics in, in runtime in game you probably saw i don't know if you did like some some of my tweets were like just just munching over the the ripples of water and how we've done things and um an anthem that was actually pretty awesome so it was a little uh interesting to see that like butter like sun yep and they're like <laughs> this this is the this is the part of the game that we that we enjoy and that's one of the things that we always do in games like all right let's go see how the what the water physics look like what the water tech looks like and then we'll know really you know where this game stands because it's all about the water physics it's always know. about water it's right. it, everything has to be built around that yeah. So <laughs> my youngest son, he likes uh he's five, he likes to just make things explode. Uh you know, he's really into crackdown three because he just likes to go in, steal people's cars, drive around, and then he'll be like, Look, and he'll pause it until I look at the TV and then he unpauses it right before, you know, the, he's gonna run into another vehicle and explode. And he just loves doing that. He doesn't know yeah, anything it's just about this. Uh, silly stuff. Yeah. He just, now likes yep. to make things explode and, and just have a good time. I mean, he's five, so, but <laughs> you, just, you better keep an eye on it though, Devin, just in case, like where are the lighters at? <laughs> Who took the propane? So, <laughs> so, so I wanted to get your thoughts tell also on the announcement of the last of us HBO series. Is this something you're like, Hey, I need to be a part of this. You want to go over there and help out <laughs> on production of the, of the series. No, I'm good, but I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was awesome. It was, it was kind of showing how great of an impact the the game had uh, to like ultimately be picked up by HBO, wh whether it was uh, 
initiated by HBO or, or Naughty Dog. Either way, it's 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 uh, pretty amazing. I mean, HBO packs a pretty prestigious portfolio. Um, you know, they they don't they don't mess around, so it's, it's pretty <laughs> yeah, impressive. They certainly do not. So I, I'm excited that if you know if Last of Us gets picked up, then you know. It, it's it it feels like it's going to be very similar to what Game of Thrones did for other fantasy genres, that everyone's going to want to be looking for. Okay, we can see that this works. Hopefully, if The Last of Us um, show works, I mean, this is still really early, so tons of things can happen. A lot of shows get announced and then nothing ever happens. But hopefully, with something like Last of Us, it'll be like, hey, yeah, I mean, we we also have the Showtime Halo series that is in production right now. I haven't heard if they stopped production on that yet or not, Devin, but um. Hopefully other, you know, genres ever, other IPs will get picked up and we'll see these series that we've always been talking about. You know, when we look at the Anthem short, um, Conviction, um, done by Neil Blomkamp, that's, that's like something like, hey, we need more of this because this is amazing. This was a tiny little slice that Neil made. And it's like, I would love to get a full series done in this style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that would be awesome. Hopefully, you know, if Last of Us is a success on HBO, then we'll get a, a lot more of that stuff. Because, hey, we all need more video game content to consume, right? There's not enough of it. We need more. So, Absolutely. No, I'm completely with you. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. Uh, I hope it's successful because, I mean, I was basically part of the original game. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty confident it's going to be the next big thing. So, Awesome. I like, I like to hear that. <laughs> pretty cool. Are they using the original characters, or are they just doing it set in the Last of Us world? I didn't read the full uh, press release, or did they not explain that? I'm not sure. They will be using from from what I've read. They will be using the characters, and it will okay. be a sort of a bridge between um, one and two. Okay. So that's why everyone's been um, photoshopping Hugh Jackman up as Joel. So. I think that's what the uh, the current right. fan cast it, um, fan casting is for Joel is Hugh Jackman, so. <laughs> but he'll j- he could just look like Logan from Logan, and then that's pretty much that looks like Joel right there. So he's he's already got yeah. the look down. <laughs> so, yeah, there were some shots there that I was like, oof, that that brings me home. Yeah, <laughs> like the shot in the in the truck where they were driving, so. It gave you it did it gave you all the feel. So thinking back on that time, Tal, while you were working on working with Naughty Dog, currently in the news, there's been a lot of talk about Naughty Dog in particular um, on the topic of crunch and just um, what do you think the industry is getting better with crunch? Do you think it's something that still needs to be worked on? Do you think crunch is bad? I guess that's something that we always assume that everyone hates crunch, but I'm guessing that a lot of stuff probably gets done during crunch time. Yeah, you pretty much answered that. Um, uh, yeah, I think generally, I I think it's gearing towards uh, getting better. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much and when it'll evolve. Um, if you look back, there's there's been a few companies that were notoriously slave drivers, and they completely turned a leaf over. Uh, like many years ago, so it you know it doesn't mean necessarily that the entire industry changed, but um, I, I just think there's there's a whole lot more awareness for um, work-life balance. Um, 
and it's probably a growing weight in all of this. So, yeah, we'll see how much of that uh, will help keep things in check. But, you know, I think it's important to, like, kind of point out that um, that there's a, a lot being done during crunch. And so uh, it, it's it's pretty delicate. So I, I'll basically say it, that it's important not to swing the pendulum too far to the other side, you know, because yeah. like not every studio that crunches gets the best title out. So that, you know. So this is this is a, a bad case. Actually, every crunch is is bad. Crunch, especially, is is, is bad. But you know, I I feel that games that swept awards, like wall to wall and dominated all our titles uh, across the board, and not just one category. You know, in awards and the reputation, uh, have had to have some level of crunch. So I think the problem is really um, when overtime is completely disregarded uh, or or abused for weeks or months on end, yeah, uh, with no apparent intent on relenting. So a studio like that will ultimately uh, drive good people away. So, but like I said, on the other on the other side, if you have really strong personalities or driven, um, passionate people at a studio that's sort of bars any like second over five o'clock because yeah we don't want to get any bad press but people will want to actually improve on their craft then they would lose people too but you know it's at least they're not abusive so you can look at it that way so you're saying it's complicated (laughs) (laughs) it's it's basically i think that you know i think a unchecked and abusive overtime um is is a problem that's for sure yeah if it's not re- uh, regulated if it's not um if it's not addressed it's not really regarded as as a problem then yeah it, it's yeah. it's bad and yeah. then it, it goes out of control well, i think it, you know just, yeah, I mean, a lot of overtime is not fun, right? Stephen and I, we've worked for, because we used to work together and we, you know, have worked months on end, you know, seven days a week doing, uh, you know, 70 plus hours a week, you know, it gets old after a while and you're just like, oh, absolutely. can this just be done? I mean, it's, it's good for a while because you're like, oh, it's good money. You know, as long as you're getting paid for that overtime, then it's good. But after a while, it's like, uh, that money is not really worth it right now. You know, it just becomes, it drags on and you're like, once you get to that point, then things, you know, your work ethic kind of tends to go, can go a different direction and, and things get missed or aren't done as best as they can be because you're just in that constant grind. And yeah, I mean, it is a definitely a difficult thing. I think for studios to figure out that good balance of a good, uh, you know, crunch versus, you know, never ending, uh, ridiculous amounts of crunch that, you know, people sleeping at the studio, you know, working a uh, hundred plus yeah, hours that's, a week. That's BS. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, totally. I think this is why there is the literal operative word balance, uh, work-life yeah. balance. And I think as long as that's basically you, you weigh the project, um, with the, the morale and, uh, 
rallied people, I think that's a good combination. And this is something that many of us uh, are very much on, I would say at least on a similar page. So that's a yeah. good thing. But yeah, once you, once you tip the scales uh, either way, obviously, you know, if, if it's super easy, you, yeah. you'll probably be out of a job because your title may not like sell <laughs> um, unless, hey, you know, all the power. So it's great, but obviously the, the problem is where it becomes abusive. And um, yeah, it, and there's no no sense of um, uh, of trying to mitigate things and trying to be more effective and just double down in fact so yeah, for sure so so how do you manage your your work life your family life you know what your your projects that you have at home are you able to just turn off everything once you go home you're like all right not thinking about how to animate this face I'm not thinking about why this eyebrow looks funny in this shot <laughs> I'm home and now I'm going to be home with the family. Are you able to do that? Or is it just constantly in the back of your mind? It's like that dang eye just looks wrong. I actually don't know how to answer that. <laughs> like that's the million dollar questions. Um, uh, I think, you know, like you get to a point where you, you, you train yourself to uh, reel in and, and, focus on things at home and I think um, it's a certain level of prof professional maturity that you're not just like ruminating over what what's uh, happening you know creatively at work and how to it, there's some good dose of uh, uh, efficiency in that uh, but if it's an overdose then it's not really yeah you can't really be at home um, so as long as you manage to separate that mentally then i think um, it it's the key to uh focus on everything else at home and that includes hobbies quote unquote that are more more of the same at work <laughs> yeah and, and speaking of hobbies so you have been working on this dante's inferno um i, I don't know if you call it a fan fiction or is it because i mean you're like i guess you're a fan so it's it's a fan fiction cg um animated short um what what about Dante's Inferno has like driven you to do this cuz that looks like a whole nother job to me. Like what what drives you to go to a one job and then be like all right I'm going to do this whole other job just for me. <laughs> I mean why why do that to yourself? Uh it's insanity. Okay. That's it. No. <laughs> that's the easy well, answer. Yeah, that's like the, that's the short that's the short answer. Um so it's it's many things it's many things that hit home real good with the game. Uh, it's it's the story. Um, uh, it's the the you know I guess they the twist that they had where, where they made it a sort of a crusader setting as opposed to what the original poem was. Um, uh, it's a it's a narrative of it's an arc of redemption. This is why I you know, called my short uh, Dante's Redemption. It's kind of a straightforward but at least it's uh, a deviate from a deviation from the actual title so it's not really so you know this is not not to inferno um or like literally authored by ea or anything so mm -hmm. um i i think you know most fantasy games take a lot of um inspiration from uh D, D 
back in the day at least. Like that was, you know, you had Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons and, um, and you know, if you kind of think about it, fantasy games have uh, some theological footprints, you know, like priests, angels, demons, or that uh, there's some something like that there, some nuggets of that. And so with Dante, Dante's Inferno, they went full blown Catholic, yeah, which was was pretty unique, and and they went all out, grit, dark, you know, the whole the whole thing, and so I think that was pretty. Uh, compelling uh, to me. Uh, yeah, I, there's so many things. The combat was really awesome. Uh, the the incredible move sets. The they uh, the it's the combination of VFX, the slow motion, like they that emphasized. That's why I mentioned that with Doom Eternal. It's it's done tastefully. Uh, I think Shadow Mortar did the same thing, um, but but basically like Dante's com- uh, combos and move sets that were just awesome. Uh, let's see, Ram McTavish. Uh, he's the he's basically voicing uh, Dante. Uh, I I knew of him before before the game. He was. Uh, uh, he was a thing, you know, doing other things, um, some TV and movies, and I think he was uh, he was on Uncharted as well. Um, but with with Dante Dante's Inferno, he I, I became like a huge fan. Uh, yeah, that was, was a great powerful delivery. He he had a really good range, great acting. So yeah, it it as you can tell, it totally resonated with me. Yeah. Um, just all all around the whole package. Um, I actually wrote a lot about it uh, uh, on my website. It's, it's in a page uh, called Behind the Scenes, and it goes in depth about all of that. So, so, th- so this is obviously something that's inside of you that you have to get out. Like, this isn't something that you'll just be able to ignore, right? This is like no matter what. You've got to finish this story. You've got to fi- finish the redemption, and I and I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that EA is letting you do that. Um, first of all, because that's kind of Absolutely. yeah. Um, that's amazing because that because that's unheard of, right? For them to be like, yeah, sure, go ahead, go for it, do it. Um, so that's really cool. I'm excited to um, see when when Act Two drops, um, and people can go to your YouTube page to watch Act One and the stuff that you did there with the team that you have. So I'm I am definitely excited to see more and I and I know Devin had a couple questions about tools that sure. that, that you use because really the only animation tool I have ever used was that um, flip notebook with the DSI <laughs> um, I did some animations in that that's the only animations I've ever done so what tools do you use to get started um, if you want to get started in the industry yeah. Well, it depends what role you want to go for. If it's an, an animation, um, then basically Maya is, is your go-to uh, program. Uh, Motion Builder is, is another thing that is being used in the industry as well, but Maya is primarily the 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 the, the master the master rate um, program. Software, yeah. Yep. Okay. Was there like so? You guys are using Maya, or I mean, that's what you recommend, anyways. Have you seen since? I mean, because Autodesk purchased them a while ago. That was 
I don't even know how many years ago. Um, um, yeah, from Wayfront. Yeah, it was it was quite a while ago, but so I'm always interested to see whether people you know prefer Maya, Houdini, those kind of things. Um, I know a lot of people you know use like modeling for 3ds Max, that that kind of stuff. I just always right. like to talk to people about what kind of software they like to use, what they recommend for people trying to get into the industry. Um, I mean, obviously you have tools like Blender, which is free for people to try and, and learn, but it's also difficult to sometimes change software uh, or can be to change software midstream when you're used to how something else works. But um, was there... Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, you were... Yeah, I was just going to say, like, is there, like... Uh, except I've talked to people before, like, oh, they recommend different art programs or different schools or, or, or things like that. Um, I mean, you started in the film industry. Was that something like you studied beforehand to kind of get into with VFX, that kind of stuff, or um, was it was there something that helped get you in that door to you know get started? Um, so. Back in the day, you kind of wanted to um, be like wearing a lot of hats. So, you know, if you only knew how to animate and you didn't know how to just model basic uh, faces or, I don't know, stuff like that, then it would probably not be enough. Nowadays, yeah. it's, it's uh, mostly... Um, it's great to to wear multiple hats, uh, and there's a lot of people who are doing that. But uh, there's a lot of um, uh, leaning on specialties. Yeah. So back at the time, it was kind of different than how it is nowadays. I think. Um, I would I would assume that if I were to start today, I think it would be more like, oh, I want to be a modeler, so yeah. I have Modbox and ZBrush and um, yeah, focus on substance those. and yeah. focus on those. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's kind of like how people also end up, um, like multi hat, whereas like they end up sort of in, in a, a primary hat, you know, so it's kind of like red Dead where you use just one hat and you're like, ah, I'll just collect the other ones. I wore them, but <laughs> I don't know why I went there, but yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I understand, like, as you're going, right, you're, you're going to learn different things and sometimes transition and, and pick up, you know, different skill sets as you're going. I think it's interesting, you know, before when I was, like, you know, trying to get into the industry more and stuff, um, it was just about, like you kind of said, like, wearing multiple hats and, and getting experience doing many different things to try and get in the door because they don't have as large studios, you know, they didn't need large studios back then. Like they, like we have now, you know, um, not that you need a large studio to make games, but you know, we talked about Ubisoft and having a thousand developers working on huge games. Um, you know, you get companies like three, four, three with 500 people, you know, granted they're all not working on halo, but the video game anyways, but they're working on different things. Um, so I mean, it's good. It's interesting to see that you know more specialized. Um, it's kind of the way you go. I guess you got to figure out what you want to do, right? Yeah, it's it, it's probably the case. Um, 
that's my personal advice. I mean, I can say I can speak for myself more than anything that, you know, I I'm originally I'm, I'm, I've been a painter. And so I was always very much gravitated towards animating that painting. And so I started like, uh, you know, moving on to 2D programs. Mm. Um, it was back in the DOS days and then it was like Windows and then 3D, 3D Max came out and then 3D Studio Max. And, and sure enough, I like, you know, if you fast forward many years later, I, I was fascinated by compositing, which is a whole different beast than 3D. Um, in general, like mm -hmm. you, you can work in live action, like it doesn't necessarily have to be with uh, uh, with uh, 3D. Um, and and I started getting gravitated towards lighting, and so I find myself naturally just latching onto things. But it's not like, oh, hey, I I, I just want to learn that, and eh, it's okay. I know know a few things, but that's it. Like I I kind of this is just me, but like I, I, it's kind of an OCD thing where I'm like, if I, if I'm really liking it, I, I'm sort of on a tangent. I have to, like, really exhaust that sort of thing. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Tal, I have a, and maybe maybe you can't answer this because I was thinking of while you guys, um, this came, this popped into my head. Um, it's a very specific anthem question. So if you can't answer it, that's fine. You don't have to. But probably won't be able to. But okay. <laughs> but I'll, you you can either laugh or you can nod your head, and no one will see you. So in Anthem, um, you guys did a lot of the the um, facial capture, facial animation. Um, for the longest time, I didn't know any of that was in the game because the helmet that I chose to put on did not have a visor that flipped up. And sometimes at night, I'm like, I bet the animation team was like so mad that this visor did not flip up. Because I played this entire game not even knowing that there were animations happening on my oh, freelancer. Oh, you're talking about like the uh, transitions where you kind of gear up and you see your character kind of yes. like... Um, yeah. Oh, specifically <clears throat> that. Well, um, no, he's like any of, the, any of the scenes where the character has their helmet on, you know, where it would, the visor would come up and you could see their face reacting to the conversation. Steven, his character had uh, a helmet on that did not have that option. And so he... I'm like, he did not know for the longest time. And, and I did it. And, and sometimes I would just lay awake and, and I, after I figured that out, like after I beat the game and put like a hundred hours into it, I like I put on the, like the normal default helmet that actually has the visor that flips up. And I That's like, right. so, sometimes I like wake up and I'd be like, man, I bet the animation team was just like so mad that only one helmet would actually open up to where you can see the face. Oh no, we, we knew that that was, that was very known. Yeah. That was, uh, so I guess yeah, I could answer that. That's that's. I thought it was something worse than that. But. <laughs> oh no, I'll, no, no, I'll that, save that all for later. No. Because that yeah, has to be frustrating uh, for the person that animated that, right? That it's like, oh, they ha these right circumstances um, have to be in place for this player to see all this hard work that I did. You could say that. Yeah, I think I, I think we at the time we sort of cared about other issues. Um, so it was, it was one of those things where like, okay, we'll let that go. Cause the majority will just play it, play the first, their first run and see the most of it anyway. So by the time, you know, cause if they skip it and then like, okay, now let's play it with this new gear. Um, then SOL basically. Right. Yeah. But it, 
as far as like showcasing our work later on and say, hey, this is what we did, then at least we can get a shot at that. So that was the com- that was the the mental uh, comfort up note kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I yeah, messed. No, I, it, it was what it was. Yeah, I messed it up because I got the special edition with the Legion of Dawn helmet, <laughs> and I Dawn. equipped that like right away, so I didn't even know. <laughs> For the longest time, and I just sometimes that thing like that keeps me up at night. I'm like, man, I didn't get to see that for like the first hundred hours. It anyway. was a fun conversation when Stephen <laughs> figured that out. I'm like, the the helmet opens up. What? No one told me. <laughs> anyway, Tal, we have taken up a lot of your time, and we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, if you we, I had this whole other quiz prepared that you know, if you had a couple more minutes, we could get oh, into. Oh yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah, sure. Okay. Let's do that. I I love um, doing stupid little games. Um, Devin knows that I love doing stupid little games because I'm super competitive. Um, it would have it would have been a little bit easier if Mike was here because for going to two you guys are just going to be going head to head. So what I did because this is an audio podcast, I put together a bunch of iconic sounds that play before um, the intros to TV shows or to movie studios or to video game consoles. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the sound. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> like, these are super easy. So you guys should be able to get these, like, no issue. Like, chat can play along also. So all I need you to do, I'm going to play a sound from my soundboard, and then you'll just yell your name, and then whoever yells it first, they get to um, answer, and then we'll see how many of these you guys can get. I mean, it's a super serious game, lots on the line, and all that fun stuff, right? So, again, you just have to yell your name. And then I'll, um, and then you get to guess what the sound is, all right? So this is the first sound that I that I picked up. So you guys should know this one pretty easy, I hope. Devin, go ahead, Devin. It's Law and Order. That is incorrect. That's not Law and Order. <laughs> Tal, do you want me to play this again? I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm probably gonna fail this miserably. So I'm just gonna wait and see if i hit anything all right i'll, I'll play it one more time one. i'll play it one more time for you because since there's only two of you i guess if if devin got it wrong then he's not going to be able to answer again oh come on like seriously you get this is like this should be like mainlined into our veins at this we're point. not audio people we're talking about okay so this this is the netflix opening Oh, yeah. oh, I don't have Netflix. <laughs> what? You don't have Netflix? Wait a second, Tal. How do you, in 2020, how do you not have Netflix? He's got more have HBO and other things, but not Netflix. I know it's, uh, you know, it's a big thing. That is a big thing. All right, so that was... All right, this one should be a little... Maybe you won't have this one either, so here's the next one. <laughs> this one should be easy. Yeah, TV shows, I'm, I'm going to... Yeah. All right, no, no more TV shows. Here we go. Nothing. Blanks. I'll play it one more time. Um, Evan. Yeah, maybe something from Final Fantasy. I don't know. <laughs> Cal, do you have a guess? You picked the wrong game for us, Stephen. <laughs> There's a very famous code associated with this company. Uh, Konami. That is the Konami tone. <laughs> oh wow, that's right. Yeah, the Konami from a Except very. Except now they're just a, they're just an image now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here, man. All right. This one you guys should get. If, if I... it was mute, I would be able to tell you it's Konami. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, here we go for the next one. This one, hope, man, I don't know if you guys will get this one now. Now you guys leave me doubting. Here we go. Mario. Oh, Tal. <laughs> Mario Tal. is, is who wants you to <laughs> So this is actually the opening. This is um, the original Game Boy when the Nintendo logo would drop. Oh, that's right. It's not also the coin? It is It is very, very similar. It is super that's similar. That's true. I did have the Game Boy, the original one. Yep. So that is... Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Michael is Michael from chat is yelling Game Boy, so he knew that one. All right. <laughs> Michael stole my Game Boy and took it to school one time. He was very upset. All right, here we go. This one's going to be super easy. If you guys don't get this, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, it seems that it... Okay, Tal. Tal. <laughs> uh, Nintendo. Uh, now I think you're just trolling me. <laughs> that was me. a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that that's like all right. Here we go. Sega. This one, here's the next one. This one's going to be super easy. Hopefully, everyone gets this, or I will be super embarrassed. Tal, Tal, twentieth century. That is twentieth yep. twentieth century Fox. That is correct. I was afraid that if I <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I was afraid if I had that clip going along too long, I'd get banned from YouTube. All right, last two here. This one you guys should get. Hopefully, here's the next one. Tal. Tal. I'm asking me. Yep. Uh, PlayStation. That is PlayStation. That is correct. <laughs> that is the PlayStation. Um, then you just follow that up with the Tony Hawk game, and then boom, there's my childhood. All right. Last one. Here we go. You guys should get this, hopefully. And this will be the major tiebreaker, all right? Even though you guys aren't tied. Tal. Tal. <laughs> Uh, Xbox 360? That is the 360. That is correct. The 360, yep. Tal, congratulations on dominating this. We we tied it. Oh, congratulations (laughs) on tying with Devin. Devin is uh, a sore loser, so we'll just say that you guys tied. Tal, thank you for. Steven knows. Thank you for playing this dumb game with us because, yes, thank you for making it easy. (laughs) The Sega one was a little easy. I had a couple others on here, but, like, would you guys recognize the Windows 95 tone if I played it? Yeah. Do Do you have the DOS chime? I do not have the DOS chime. The other one I have, I have, I have Stranger Things. Oh, how about this one? You guys should know this one. Is this the original there. Xbox? No, this is not the original Xbox. No. I have that one, but that's not it. I'll play it one more time. You can really... I'll turn it up here. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, Anthem. Yep, that is the <laughs> an- that is the opening yeah. to Anthem. So, Devin, you should have known that. You spent how many hours in that game? I, I thought it was doing the... Like, the start... I've spent you know close to four hundred hours in the game. Hold so. on, do do that again, Devin. What sound did you make? Because I'll add that to the next one quiz. One show a day, Stephen. You didn't catch it on time. What can I do for you? Well, Tal, we really appreciate you hanging out with us again. Hopefully, we can do it sometime in the future. Um, I hope you guys over at um, Archetype Games, you guys are able to continue despite. Um, what's going on in the world with the coronavirus? But good luck on development of whatever you guys are working on. I'm 
super interested and excited to see what you guys bring up using brand new IP from Wizards of the Coast. So I am I'm very very excited to see uh what you guys make up in the next I mean, you guys are pretty early in development, so I get I'm gonna give you guys to like twenty twenty one, the end of twenty twenty one, before we see the <laughs> A new game there, so you're on. That is plenty of time, right? That's plenty of time to make a video plenty game. Of <laughs> plenty of time. That's how video you're games are made. You're making a triple A game, Stephen, not, not a double A game. Right? I know how video games are made, and it takes not that much time. Okay, so yeah, that's a good, good deal. Oh, thank you, thank you guys for having me. It was, uh, it was awesome. All right, it was pretty fun. And until next time, chat, uh, there's a Shaper Storm on the horizon. We'll see you on the other side. I'll play this real quick. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Freelancer Codex, on Facebook at Freelancer Codex, or through email at freelancercodex at gmail.com. Join the Discord through the link provided at freelancercodex.com. Our show will always be free, but if you'd like to send some support, you may do so at patreon.com slash freelancercodex. Our individual Twitter handles are at Stephen Lamson, at MLamson25, at Neverfear, and at JD the Joke Dealer. Freelancers, it's time to get to work. Bye, chat. We'll see you later. All right, Devin, <laughs> you have stopped. We are no longer live. Tal, seriously, no live. thank you for hanging out with us. Oh no, that's very mutual. Thank you for uh, thank you again for setting it up. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I had uh, it's it's not live right now, right? Or it's not recorded? Nope. No, we not are live. we are not live. Let me stop my audio recording here.